Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want to dive right into this. Paul, uh, we see as he talks to the group of people in Ephesus, he's, he, he's talking to them about a topic that, that he, you see he drives it home and drives it home and drives it home. In just a couple statements, he makes something so clear to us that we need to understand as followers of Christ. And we see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, we're going to dive right in, says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given at me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am ambassador and ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. In just three verses here, he says, pray. you got to pray continually. Pray on all occasions. you got to keep on praying. Pray for other people. Are you praying for me? Now pray for me again. Like He's trying to seek home this point here. Guys, you can't miss this. you got to pray. I'm just curious, how many of you in here, if you just show me by raising your hands, how many in here are over 50 years old? Would you raise your hand and show me? Some of you are lying right now. There's several of you in this room right now over 50 years old. If you're, if you're over 50, then you've probably seen a shift in our culture. You've seen a shift in the church in this last generation. And the shift that you've seen, unfortunately, is that you can probably remember a time when, when churches would get together and have prayer meetings. And some of these prayer meetings would be all-night prayer meetings. And, and what you do at these prayer meetings is you just get together and pray. It wasn't like a midweek class. It wasn't getting together for worship. It wasn't getting together for a small group. It was just people that were showing up for the one purpose of spending time praying. But unfortunately, the shift that we've seen that's happened in our generation is that our generation now, we try to replace prayer with so many other things. And in fact, a lot of these things, they're good things, but we're, we're trying to take something that's so important to our faith, so foundationally true in our relationship with God, and, and we're trying to replace it with something else that may be good, but it's not prayer. We try to replace prayer with counseling. And we want to go tell our story to someone and then get advice from that someone, or you go into a counselor, and there, trust me, the counseling can be a very good thing. The Bible says we should have counsel around us. But anytime you try to replace prayer with counsel, we're, we're missing something so incredibly important to our faith. So we go to counselors and we try to tell them our story and, and we, we tell them all about what's going on and then we hear advice from them. Or we go into a pastor and, and we tell them our story and then we hear the pastor say exactly what he said again on a Sunday morning. Because side note, if a pastor ever gives you counsel different than what he's given you on a Sunday morning, it's not godly counsel and you don't want it anyway. 
So what we do is we go to counseling and we try to tell our story and then when, when we feel like telling our story there doesn't work enough, we start to talk to other people and, and we get on the phone with our cousin or our aunt and we tell them our whole story and we gripe about it and they gripe about it and, and, and we, we have all this conversation. It's so funny because we'll spend hours on the phone with someone who can't do a thing about our problem trying to tell them what's going on in our life and yet we, we might not even spend five minutes talking to our Heavenly Father about it. We replace prayer with so many different things. We try to replace it with teachings, listening to more sermons, listening to more podcasts. We, we try to replace it with prayer, with worship time. And if I just have a worship disc on, then, then, then somehow that's going to replace me actually talking to God. But nothing, nothing can replace prayer in the life of a follower of Christ. And really that's the point of what we're talking about today is that if you want to see God's blessings, you need to go back to one of the elementary truths of our faith and that is that we need to make room for prayer. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 20, we see that there's a a king by the name of Hezekiah and we see that he was just told that he was about to die. He was very ill, and he was told, you're not going to recover from this. You're, you're going to die. And we see immediately what he does is he turns, and he begins bitterly weeping before God, and he starts praying and saying, God, I'm coming to you first. Would you do something on my behalf? And what's so incredible about this story is in 2 Kings chapter 20, we see that God says, whoa, since, since you decided to bring this to me, You want to actually spend some time praying? We see God actually gave him 15 more years in our life. 15 more years simply because King Hezekiah respected prayer. Man, that should be enough for every one of us in here to want to pray. If respecting prayer is that important to God, that when we recognize how important it is, we talk to him, that God would bless someone in such a way, then man, wouldn't we all want that? I kind of feel like it'd be silly to take a a message on prayer and talk all about talking to God without first acknowledging him and and talking to him and praying right now. So would you bow your heads and and talk to our Lord with me? Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that we stand before you right now. And we pray right now that you would come into this room and that you would teach us. And we pray that, just like in this whole series, that this wouldn't just be an inspirational message for a Sunday, but this would be something that we would participate in every day from here on out as your followers. We thank you, God, that we can come before you because of what Jesus has done, that you sent him to die on the cross for our sins. You made a way where we can stand before you, not because we're good, but because he's good. So, God, we stand before you in full boldness, knowing who we believe in. And we just pray right now that you would speak to us. Get rid of any distractions in this room. Don't let me stand in the way, God, please. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to go ahead and dive into five points today. Five reasons you need to make room in your life for prayer. Five reasons to make room in your life for prayer. Prayer is something that that you can't replace with anything else. Yeah, I mean, you can go without money, you can go without support, you can go without relationships, you can go without so many different things, but you can't go without prayer. Point number one, prayer empties the heart of its cares. Prayer empties the heart of its care. See, without prayer, you are going to pick up so much baggage, so much more weight, so much more frustration, and so much more stress than you were ever meant to carry. 
How many of you are parents in this room? Just show me, okay. I am a parent, and you know that I have two girls, and we've gone on many family vacations. And as a father, I had to make a rule on family vacations, and this rule was really to protect me more than anything else. But what would happen is dads understand this, and moms that carry purses too understand this. If you let it happen, when you go on a trip, or really you go anywhere with your kids, you'll start to recognize that before you even know it, you're carrying all their stuff. And you look down and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't leave the house with a pink blanket. Why am I carrying a pink blanket right now? And I remember we went on a vacation. I was walking through the airport and, and all of a sudden, like, I, my kids are just like, Dad, I'm getting tired. Would you carry this for me? Would you hold this? And all of a sudden, I got Kayla's backpack on. I'm dragging my bag. And now Rachel throws her jacket over my shoulder. Kayla's hot, so I've got her jacket under this shoulder. And Amelie's carrying, like, a, a, an extra bag that has toys and stuff for them. We're carrying all this stuff. And I'm walking through the airport. And now I'm like, I'm like the fat guy on the treadmill, like, sweat dripping on my face. Just like, <laughs> I'll catch up, guys. And I looked down, I'm like, none of this stuff is mine. So I put my foot down, like, family meeting right here, right here next to gate C3. We're going to sit down and talk. Daddy ain't carrying nothing on this trip, okay? If you want it, you've got it. And I, I put this rule down because I realized I was carrying so much stuff that wasn't even mine, and it was making my trip miserable, and we're an hour into the trip. You feel the pain. You've been there. And I realize that as you look in Scripture and you see over and over again as the Apostle Paul tells us to pray, as Jesus tells us to pray, as we're led by other people, the idea behind this is so very similar. The idea behind a relationship with God and prayer is an idea that the world is going to keep putting stuff on you is going to keep putting stress on you, keep putting worry on you. Your kids are going to go to school. They're going to have a problem with their friends, and they're going to come home and say, Daddy, this happened, and then you put that on you, and then you got this work issue, and then you turn on the news, and there's those things. And there's all this stuff that is just begins weighing down on you, and we start walking through life heavy and burdened and stressed out and tired, and we wonder, why am I so tired? Why can't I sleep at night? And then you go back to the bottle, and you go to start taking sleep, pills because there's so much stress and so much anxiety weighing you down and, and, and God's saying whoever told you to carry that stuff did I ever tell you to take on the stresses of the world in fact we see very clearly in scripture that that, that there's a different way we see that the Bible says to cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you cast your cares on him because he cares for you that this idea of like wait a minute I'm not going to carry all this weight that's not just a frustrated father but that's the idea that God wanted us to understand as his children like don't take on the weight of the world why don't you just pass it on to God because he can handle it and you were never meant to carry that stuff anyway we see that in Matthew we see Jesus said blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, we get this idea, prayer empties the heart of its cares. And I'm going to look at this verse and dive into it a little bit, because blessed are the pure in heart. The word in Greek here for pure is the word katharos, and it's where we get the word catheter. Catheter, it means to clear out, it means to clean. 
to, to, to remove. So it, it, the Bible's saying, if you want to see God, then you have to, and you want to see his plan and his purpose for your life, you've got to have a clean heart, a pure heart, a cleared out heart. You've got to empty the, carry, the cares and the worries and the burdens that you're carrying in your heart right now on God. And if you don't, if you don't empty out your heart of its cares, then you're not going to have room for God's blessings. First Samuel chapter 1, there's a woman by the name of Hannah. And Hannah had a, had a promise to carry a child. She was receiving the promise to have a baby born in her life. But we see that the thing that was holding her back is she had a heart that was full of sorrows. A heart that was so heavy and so burdened. And in fact, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that she finally decided to go empty out her heart before God. She went to the temple and she began to pray. And this wasn't a pretty prayer. This wasn't her standing there neat and just like well kept like we tried to look on a Sunday morning. This was her getting honest before God. And she freaked out and she started crying and her lips were moving. And the Bible says, but there wasn't even words coming out of her mouth because she was just broken before God to the point to where the priest, Eli, looked at her and thought, we got to get this woman out of here. She's drunk. I mean, look at her, right? She's a mess. And she's standing before God just so broken, just going, all of these burdens that are in my heart, I give it to you. I can't go through life carrying this junk anymore. Just like we're told to cast our cares and our worries on him because he cares for us, it's exactly what we see Hannah did. And as soon as she emptied out the cares and the concerns that were in her heart, then the promise came. And we see that she then had a child. I wonder, is there so much going on, so much weighing you down right now in your heart that maybe you haven't made room and you're missing out on some of the promises that God wants to give you and he's ready, he's waiting, but he can't put any more on you right now because you're carrying things that you were never meant to carry. So number one, we have to be people who make room for prayer because prayer empties the heart of its cares. Number two, prayer acknowledges that the answer is beyond your human ability. Prayer acknowledges that the answer is beyond your own human ability. See, whenever you bow your knees, you got to get dropped to your knees and you bow your head and you pray, you're acknowledging, God, I, I, I'm not the sum uh, of total of all of this. I'm not the answer. I, I don't have what it takes to make this come together. In fact, I can't fix this, God. And you know, there's, there's no type of relief like the relief you get when you finally come to the realization that you are not the answer to your problems. That you can't fix everything. You can't fix what's going on in your kid's life. You can't fix what's going on in your ex-spouse's wife. You can't fix all of the stuff that's going around you. Only he can. So what's so much more important for us as believers is, is, is not knowing how to fix every problem, not being the answer to every question, but knowing who the answer is. And see, when I go to God, I go to a sovereign God who knows exactly what his plan is. He knows exactly what he's going to do. It is so much more important that I know who can fix the problem than actually trying to fix the problem myself. I mean, I, I, I've wrecked things in my house trying to fix things that I had no business trying to fix. I should have called a plumber, you know. In, in, in fact, in business, you understand this to be true. 
If, you're, if you own a business, if you're leading a company, then one of the things you need to understand is that you don't have to be the answer to all the problems. You have to know who the answer is. So if you don't know how to fix your HVAC system, you don't learn how to fix an HVAC system. You hire someone who can fix an HVAC system. And in the same way, when it comes to prayer, you don't have to be the answer to your, your problems you just have to know who is. And when you bow your head and you begin talking to God, it's a humbling place because you're saying, God, I don't have what it takes to fix this on my own. And the weight that comes off you when you do that is incredible. Now that you've acknowledged him and you put it in his hands, now you can see what he can do with your circumstances. So we see that prayer acknowledges that the answer is beyond your human ability. And then number three, Number three, divine direction is received through prayer. See, you can't get divine direction anywhere else like you can get it through prayer. Let me remind you of the story of Jonah. There's people that teach on the story of Jonah over and over again. I mean, you've heard the story. If you grew up in church, you heard it several times. You heard how there was a prophet of God who was called, uh, and, and instead of going to the land that he was called to go to, he turned and went the opposite direction. I think one of the main principles you can take from this story is that Jonah made decisions without prayer. And and anytime you make decisions without prayer, then you're going to face storms and you're going to face destruction. And Jonah, since he didn't pray, he ended up in a storm, he ended up in a whale, he ended up almost killed simply because he was making decisions without prayer. And I wonder how many times all of us in this room have experienced regret of going, man, if I would have just asked God about this, if I would have acknowledged him, then, then I wouldn't have gone through all the pain that I went through. You know, if, if I would have just talked to him about this in the first place, maybe he would have led me in a different direction and I wouldn't have lost that job and I wouldn't have lost this relationship. I wouldn't have had this deep wound that I carry around with me now. And we look at John, Jonah's life and see that he went from one problem to a worse problem to worse and worse and worse and worse simply because he was trying to go through life without praying. Guys, any time that you make a big decision in your life, Prayer has to be involved in it. See, we've been given this incredible gift of a God who will let us come right to him and speak right to him because of what Jesus has done. And, and if that's the case and he has the answer for our life, then wouldn't we want to know exactly what he wants to do in our lives? And when we go to God and we acknowledge him, we're saying, you know, God, I, I don't think I want to take on the challenge of having kids without knowing first how you want me to raise the kids. I don't think I want to take the challenge of being married without knowing how you want me to be married. I don't want to take on the challenge of being retired if you haven't told me that it's time yet. I don't want to take on any of these challenges in life without first acknowledging you. And when we acknowledge him, we're, we're saying, God, I, I don't have what it takes within me to make the right decision, so would you give me some good direction here? Week after week, I talk to people who, who are faced with a decision. I've got A or B. You know, I could, I could sell my company and I could move here, or I could, I could date this person, I could do this, or I could do that, and I just don't know what to do. And there's a verse in the Bible that so clearly states what we're supposed to do here. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. 
Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, I've heard other pastors basically break this down and say, you could, you could even say it this way. You could say, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path obvious. If you're going to Jesus and saying, God, I don't know what to do here, and I, I'm not going to try to figure it out on my own. I just want to lean into you and know what is it you want me to do. Then all of a sudden, when we start acknowledging him in all the different areas of our life, then things become obvious. Oh, it's a really clear decision. It makes sense to me now. Now I know I should go this way. It's like I was confused and thinking I was going to go this way before, but now I feel God's peace over here, and it's so obvious and so clear to me. Guys, going through life, we're going to be faced with big decisions and we're not going to find divine direction any other place or any better place than, than through prayer. Jesus said this. He was t- teaching us how to pray. And he said this in Matthew chapter 6, the end of verse 9. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, what we get from this is, if he's praying that we should pray that God's will would be done on earth, in your life and in mine, just like it's done in heaven, that tells us a couple things. Number one, that God's will is done in heaven. The way that God would want things to happen, the way that God would want to bless people, the way that God would want to, to be revealed and glorified is done in heaven. The problem is it's not done here. Sometimes it's not done in your life and sometimes it's not done in mine. And the reason why is because we failed to acknowledge him. We failed to lean in like Jesus said and say, God, we want your will to be done right in my life, like in my circumstances. And can you imagine that for a moment? Think about this for just a moment. What if? What if God's will was done in your finances? What would your finances look like? What if God's will was done in your health? What, what would that be like? What? What if his will was done in your marriage, in your business, in any area of your life that you can imagine? You say, what if God's blessings, his will, his decision, his purpose for my life was actually taking place? Not mine, but not someone else's, not some other influence on the outside. What if? How blessed would we be? I mean, we can't even imagine the type of blessings that we live in and see that what we get from this verse here. Jesus is saying we pray this way. This is like we're, we're tapping in to the will of God. It's like now I have a connection going, God, I want your will to be done. I want your direction. I don't want to just wander through life and, and stumble into things and make mistakes over and over and over again. God, there, there's too much going on for me to keep messing things up. Would you just show me what you want me to do? That doesn't come through counseling. That doesn't come through gathering together and listening to more uh, CDs or more podcasts. It doesn't come from books. It comes from times where we lean into God and we pray. So divine direction is received through prayer. Number four, fourth reason that you and I need to make room for prayer in our life, I hope you'll write this down, is prayer strengthens your intimacy with God. Prayer strengthens your intimacy with God. See, it strengthens your intimacy with God, not the church, not the pastor, not the music, not the movement, but with God. In fact, every bit of intimacy, just to to take it to a personal level and talk about my wife and I for a moment, every bit of intimacy that Amelie and I share together, it, it was born out of conversation. 
It was born out of communication. Side note, little, little marriage side note is that intimacy is not born in the bedroom. It's born in communication. And every bit of intimacy that her and I have happened through a, a result of us communicating together, us talking about each other and talking about ourselves and sharing ourselves with one another. And, and in doing so, we have grown so much closer and closer and closer. And intimacy grows out of that. Now think about this for a moment. What if, what if, because uh, I love my wife, I love Omni, I, I like her too, you know. What if I went through life and I, I talked about her and I come up and said, that woman, she's gorgeous, I love her, she's awesome. And in fact, I'd sing songs about her, I'd write songs about her. What if I even read about her and I got online and I checked out like Facebook posts and read as much as I could and studied this woman, but I never talked to her? What would my relationship look like? It'd look like a stalker, right? <laughs> it's like, that's not marriage. That, that's a stalker. You need like a restraining order on something like that. Like, I'll talk all about you, and I'll, I'll sing songs about you, and I'll read all about you, but I'm not going to talk to you. That'd just be weird, right? The crazy thing about this is that it is really easy to go through life and talk all about Jesus and sing all about Jesus. And in fact, you can even open up your Bible and read all about Jesus, and you can go sit down where other people will tell you all about Jesus, but until you actually sit down and you talk to Jesus, where's the relationship? Are, are, are you a fan of Jesus, or are you a friend of Jesus? I mean, it, do you want there to be fruit that grows out of your life? Do you want there to be intimacy that grows out of your life or do you want this to just be something where you, you learn something new on every Sunday morning? And see what, what prayer does is prayer strengthens my intimacy with God to be able to get it to a point to where now I have a relationship with God to where we talk together and it has nothing to do with whether or not the worship was good. It has nothing to do with whether or not the preacher gave a good message. It, it, it's all about what he's talking to me about, what I'm talking to him about. See, the idea for a Christ follower would not be that we go through life and we say, hey, would you pray for me? And, and, and would, you, would you pray for me? But I'm going through a struggle. Would you pray for me too? And we try to get everyone else to go have a relationship with God on our behalf. But instead, we go to God and say, God, I want to talk to you. I, I want to know about you. I want to grow closer to you. And, the, and, and don't get me wrong. There's times we should have other people pray with us. In fact, the Bible says when we join with other people in Jesus' name, he's right there with us. That's so very powerful and so important. I'm talking about putting our conversations with God on someone else as opposed to on ourselves. See, we, we've got to go through God, life leaning into God for how we can have a relationship with him. That's the basis of our faith. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and made a way for you so that you didn't have to have a middleman anymore. You don't have to have a pastor pray for you. You don't have to go before a high priest. You don't have to have someone else stand between you and God. In fact, it was never meant to be that way for you. You live in this time where Jesus has made a way for you so that you can go straight to the Father. I wonder, are you taking time to grow in an intimate relationship with him? Because see, prayer strengthens your intimacy with God. And that brings us to our last point before we close this morning. And it's this. Number five, 
Prayer changes me. Prayer changes me. See, I didn't say prayer changes God because I'm not trying to change God. In fact, God told Malachi in Malachi chapter 3, he says, I am the Lord, I the Lord do not change. David said in Psalms 90, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. See, you don't want God to change because if God can change, it suggests that either God was not as good once as he now is, or that God is not as good now as he might someday be. And, and the reason God doesn't change is because he is too perfect to be improved upon. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God has always been good. He's good now and he always will be good. And we, we look at the fact that our God is unchanging. Then you might go, then wait a minute, hold on, time out. If our God is not changing, if he won't change, then why would I pray? The answer is very clear. When we pray, prayer changes us. Because when you pray, prayer changes your attitude. It changes your perspective. Prayer can change your opinion. It can change your philosophy. It can change your political stance. It can change what you always knew to be true. Now you went, oh, I was wrong for one point in my life. But beyond it just changing you, it can change things that take place on the outside. It can change your circumstances. It can change the diagnosis. It, it, it can change so much of what's going on around you in social settings. It can change the favor that you have with other people. We see right here in 2 Chronicles 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. This is such a powerful verse. This is like the take-home verse for today. And it's this. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. See, if you pray, God will change you and he might even just change your circumstances. He might even just heal your land. See, we've been given this incredible gift this incredible gift of the fact that our Heavenly Father said, I don't want anyone to stand between me and my kids. I don't want middlemans. I don't want them to have to go to someone else to talk to me. So he said, I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send my son. And he's going to take their shame and take their sin and pay the price, pay the penalty. And I'm going to trade their shame for his glory so that they can step right into my presence. And they can have a conversation with me on a daily basis. We have been given such a beautiful and wonderful and powerful gift. And I wonder how many of us, if we were honest, would say, you know what? I never make room for prayer. Prayer time to me looks like, well, God bless this food. God help us sleep good tonight. I wonder, would you talk to him? Would you guys stand with me before we go today? I think last week, it was kind of a homework session, a homework session of taking your schedule and saying, you know what, the areas that, uh, of who I want to become, the areas that are important in my life, I need to put those first and I need to make room in my schedule for what really matters. I want to encourage you today and ask you today, do you need to make room in your life for prayer? Do you need to make room in your life where you can get direction from him, where you can grow in intimacy with him, where God can change you? 
Where, where it's not just coming back over and over again with our opinions and, and, and this is what I want, God, and, and calling them up on the phone. God, I've got this problem and that problem. Would you fix this and would fix that and then hang up the phone? But starting to realize, that wait a minute, the whole point of prayer is that we can have relationship. And in relationship, it's not a monologue, it's, it's a dialogue. So we start to talk to God and we start to allow him to then speak back into us and give us direction and change us and, and help us. Would you bow your heads? I recognize that there might be some of you in this room right now that you, you've never really spent time praying because you don't have a relationship with God. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You've never asked him to make a way for you to be able to go directly to God, directly to himself. The Bible says that if, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And what I want to do right now is just pray a real quick, easy prayer that if you've never done that before, you just repeat this prayer after me. You can even repeat it in your own words. But let's acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Let's believe that God raised him from the dead so that you can have a personal relationship with him. You can talk to the God who created this universe, who created you. So every person in this room, if you just pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe in Jesus. I believe you made a way for me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again. Please forgive me of my sins and give me a home forever in heaven. Today I place my trust in you, not in anything else. So be my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for everyone now before you leave. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, our, for your children in this room. And I thank you for the fact that you don't want us to go through life separated from you, but you want us to go through life connected with you. And that happens through talking to you on a daily basis. So God, where we haven't made room for prayer in the past, right now we repent. And we ask God for you to forgive us for the times when we talked to, I talked to my aunt, I talked to my cousin, I talked to everybody else, but I didn't talk to you about it. I didn't come to you first. Forgive us, God, for this attitude of, well, there's nothing else we can do but pray. God, you've given us the ability to come to you first. So God, from now on, I pray that you'd help us not just to leave here inspired, but to leave here ready to participate. And tomorrow, I'm spending my day talking to you. The day after that, I'm going to spend it talking to you. God, thank you so much that you allow us to do that. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer, 
for the first time, or if you need prayer at all, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or by email at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.